You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey guys, this is Steve and I go with the Hoist the Colors podcast. Going to get started with this episode here shortly. Just a heads up, recorded earlier with Jim Wagner and Scott Latcher. For some reason, had weird hiccuping in the audio. Not sure what the causes of those problems were and did not realize it until after the show. So, so apologies for that, but you should still be able to make out at least most of what we're saying. So I'm going to try to look into that, figure it out. But uh, anyways, here is the addition. Sorry for the technical difficulties. Here's the crash edition of the Horse of Colors podcast. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. To the Hoist the Colors podcast. I'm Stephen Igo, the host of the podcast, and somehow we are talking about East Carolina hosting an NCAA regional. Uh, to do that, I'm joined by two guests, Jonathan Wagner, former intern with Hoist the Colors, now with On Three Sports. Also, Scott Lorbatcher, who joined me earlier this year. He's known as Butner Pirate. On the Hoist the Colors message board, I said I would get him back on to talk NCAA regional. We'd have some sort of roundtable, which we are having. Tonight, fellas, did not think we'd be talking about ECU being a host site, but they are. We'll start with you, Scott. Just how crazy, uh, I guess, what was your initial reaction going into today? Did you feel pretty comfortable about ECU getting a host site in your reaction as a fan? Uh, going into today, definitely not. Uh, I thought we I really did. And then I uh, got the notification on the phone while I was filling the water bottle, and I just uh, poured water all over the me. Uh, it's pretty good. So, uh, um, yeah, I feel great about it. Um, wish we would have uh, played better at the beginning, so I wouldn't have uh, booked a beach trip for next weekend. Um, but uh, so we're could have uh, done that a little bit better. But yeah, super excited. Can't wait to watch. Hopefully, we can uh, swing by Greenwell on Sunday on the way back from the beach and catch at least one game. But uh, yeah, can't couldn't be more excited. Jonathan, uh, you're in the sports writing business now, but you've still been able to, to make it out to a bunch of games this year. You know, just 
this this run, man. I know like covering it for me, it's insane. So what's been like following on it for you? Yeah, I mean, I mean, a couple months ago, I think I didn't think ECU was even the, the picture at all to make it to a regional period, alone host host one. So yeah, the fact that having this conversation, I, I I really don't believe. So it's it's crazy. I, I've never seen a run like this before, and. I mean, I've followed sports my entire life. I've never seen a run considering where he started and where they are now. So it's crazy, but I'm excited. I love regionals. I love college baseball, and I love watching it in person in Greenville. So I'm just pumped. I didn't think we'd be here, but I'm pumped. It's just amazing to me that, like, three weeks ago, we were talking about, you know, we've been so spoiled. We've hosted three consecutive regionals. Like, we were due for a down year, and now here we are. East Carolina now hosting again. This is again in the fourth straight year. ECU is hosting a regional. Stanford, unless I'm wrong on this, which I double checked three times because I'm not not good. At but Stanford and ECU, the only the only team hosted four consecutive years, or teams had done it three consecutive years, but I believe I believe they did this last year. And so, yeah, I mean ECU and Stanford, some pretty uh pretty amazing company there. All right, so let's get into. Oh, I take it first. We're going to talk about maybe what we think ECU will be in. We only know the 16 host sites. We'll go over those in a minute. Maybe some surprises. We'll talk about what ECU we think they might be seated in the top 16. But first, I want to talk about this. Like, I feel like we have to discuss like what what has gone right down the stretch. Really, the championship run. I mean, they win both the American regular season and then they win the tournament, sweeping both for the first time in program history. So, Jonathan. Like what? What has made the difference down on the stretch here, in your opinion, in just following this team? They were fourteen and thirteen out there. What twenty-one, eight, twenty-nine, and five since then, or something crazy? Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. But but it, to my eyes, I think you can look at the pitching staff and all the certainty there that there's a year. I think CJ Mayhew stepping up another rotation has been huge, and then kind of your unsung hero like a Ryder Giles who was able to kind of be a stopgap kind of guy in rotation for a few weeks. But for me, I, I look at the lineup because ultimately you got to score more runs than the other team to win a baseball game. And you see who scores like a crap ton of runs. And then you look at the lineup right now, one through nine, one through eight, because the DH role, who knows who's going to be in that spot. But really one through eight, I'm comfortable with every player in the lineup right now. And that wasn't true the first month of the season. So I think – you know, yeah, I got a guy like Alec Grevich. Grevich is through the best hitters at the times, and he's cooled off a little bit. He's been eighth for you. I think that's not that. And Josh Moylan's been up a little bit. Ben Newton. I, I go, me and you talked to Ben Newton a lot. I love Ben Newton last year. And the fact that he's kind of taken that job the way he has, not just def- not just offensively, but defensively, Ben Newton deserves a lot of credit. But all around, it's just everything is coming together. Guys just stepped up in the bullpen. The rotation is solidified a little bit, and the lineup is really solid and consistent and quality at bats. And it's all just coming together at the right time. And the Pirates are hot, so yeah. Benjamin Newton, you mean not Ben Newton? Uh, <laughs> he's, earned, he's earned the official goat status. Uh, Scott, what's really stood up to you? You know, I'm sure you have a lot of the same thoughts as Jonathan, but anything in particular that's really caught your attention during this? 18 game winning streak. 
Yes, uh, uh, the last game we lost to the was the last game I went to, so that's uh, that's great. Um, good thing you can go yeah, to the they, then. Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, good. To, Benton is uh, is a good call there. You know, you think about that Bryant series, and we didn't know who the catcher was going to be, and then you have the the almost a walk off home run, right? And that was Wilcoxon. And if he hits that home run and it counts, maybe Ben Newton doesn't fall into this role. And then who knows where we're at. So, you know, as bad as that was at the beginning of the year, maybe it was a blessing in disguise. But Ben Newton being that guy that we know we can, that's going to be in the lineup every day, then C.J. Mayhew seems to be the Friday guy, whether he's going to give you four or nine, whatever it might be. Having a guy that you know is the Friday guy, Makes a huge difference, and that's something that I told you about. February was we had to have a Friday guy, and I, I, I think I was maybe Mayhew the guy, and I was thinking about um, Kevin Copps from Arkansas last year, who had to move into a starter's role late in the season, and kind of a similar situation where he's a top of the line reliever, but now he's in the starter's role. Sometimes you just gotta move the guy to the Friday night just because it's so, so important. So C.J. Mayhew, Ben Newton, and then just having a set lineup in general has been, I think, the biggest in May compared to the other three months of the season. Yeah, ECU last loss on April 26th, so I believe they will conclude the year. Yeah, they're not not losing the entire month of May, which is just stupid to think about. Uh, I mean, I mean, people were talking about Austin Knight get, getting fired and all this stuff, and now here we are, ECU is hosting a regional again. All right, so let's dive into the regional host. I have all 16 in alphabetical order pulled up. I'm just going to rattle them off and in case people forgot. We got Auburn, uh, Austin for Texas, Blacksburg, Virginia Tech. I'm just going to say both the city and the school. Hill for North Carolina, College Park, Maryland, College Station, Texas A&M. Coral Gables, Miami, Corvallis. A lot of C's here. This was uh, this was it really built the anticipation for ECU. Uh, Corvallis, Oregon State, Gainesville for Florida, Greenville, North Carolina for the Pirates, uh, not South Carolina. Uh, Hattiesburg, Pittsburgh. It'd be good to see Southern Miss back because of the host. Uh, Knoxville, Tennessee. Hopefully the Pirates don't somehow draw them uh, in the tournament. Louisville, Key, the Pirates there, and they also did not go so. Stanford again in California, obviously a, a college baseball power. Our Statesboro, Georgia Southern, getting the hostess despite not winning a, a regular season or tournament championship, but having a really high RBI. And then Stillwater for Oklahoma State. So, you guys look at this list. Any initial thoughts? And I know Auburn was a uh, potential snub as well as uh, Notre Dame was a big surprise that they were really left out. Uh, Scott, we'll start with you. Uh, any uh, main thoughts? Sure. I think it, Auburn being in means we're not the 16th to me. Um, and, and then looking at <clears throat> this list, I only have six teams that I think are for sure higher seed than us. Now, I don't think we're top eight, but out of Texas, Virginia Tech, UNC, Oregon State, Tennessee, Stanford, I don't think, I think you, could, you could make a case to ECU against, against any one of those other um what, 12 schools as who the higher seats. So I don't think, looking at this initially, I thought, you know, maybe going into today, I thought if we were probably a 13, 14 seed, 
I could see us being as high as nine or eight now, probably not eight, just because of our top 50 record. But, but and looking at it and you know, throwing the RPI numbers is what I did on, the, on my sheet of paper here. But I don't, I don't think that any of these outside of those six are far and away better than us. So, you know, if we get paired up as a, a seven, if we're the 10 and we're paired up with seven, I think we could, you know, you know match up very well against anybody. Yeah, Notre Dame 14 in the RPI, 14 and 7 to top 50. And I think it's 7 ACC. I wonder if 35 wins in the, by the way, 261 non conference strength of schedule. I mean, that is pathetic. So, like, I get it. They, they really, you know, they did really good in the ACC, but they basically played nobody out of conference. So, clearly, it seems like at least the committee is putting an emphasis on non conference strength of schedule because you look at Georgia Southern. <laughs> Third toughest non-conference strength of schedule. ECU, the sixth toughest non-conference strength of schedule. If they're putting a heavy emphasis on that, I think that helps ECU, which you would think that it would. Now, I don't know if ECU is going to be a top eight. I doubt it. Again, who knows with this committee what they end up going with. Uh, Jonathan, you thoughts. Another team, by the way, that was left off of uh, Oklahoma. Again, getting RPI in the mid-20s, but they're currently playing in the Big 12 title game. They're going to win it, and I guess it doesn't matter. Uh, Jonathan, what, what stood out to you? Yeah, I mean, talking about um, Notre Dame not, not hosting Auburn. Hosting, I thought that would be flipped at the end of the day. Um, I'll admit, I didn't really consider Auburn really much of a chance coming into the day, so I didn't really look at their numbers too much. But And you just mentioned Oklahoma. That's what I was going to talk about, but – Shout out to the Big 12 because I think if Oklahoma wins that game earlier in the day, I think there's a very, very strong chance that they are one of the 16 hosts. So, you know, whether that, whether that makes a difference or not, who knows. But Oklahoma was a little bit of a surprise to me. But, but I mean, overall, I mean, other than that, other than what we've talked about, I think, I think I'm, not, I'm not overly surprised with the 16 side sides. But I will be really interested to see, like like Scott said, kind of, kind of where ECU falls, just since there are a lot of teams that be right there joining together. It's cool to see. You know, I, I know there was some agreement about Georgia Southern getting in. But like, as somebody who does, covers a team that's not in the quote-unquote Power Five, it's good to see Georgia Southern, Southern Miss, ECU getting respect. Like everybody kept saying, and I even said Georgia Southern, I think, needs a, a tournament or a regular season championship to get in. But, I mean, 40 wins, again, third of us non-conference training the schedule. It's just good to see them get rewarded for that. And I would think – I would doubt that Georgia Southern and Auburn for sure would be seated ahead of ECU just based off the fact that the Pirates won both championships. So let's get into the discussion. What do you guys think is the floor? What is the ceiling going into tomorrow for ECU seating? Um, Scott, I know you touched, touched on a little bit. You could say maybe as high as eight, but you know, realistically, where do you have you have if you had to pick a number or a number? Where do you think they would fall? I'll go eleven. I think there's five teams here that I could see us realistically being ahead of. So yeah, I'll say eleven. I think I think, I think that's a pretty good number for us. That gives us what the eleven seed plays the, the six in the next round. So uh, yeah, 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 you're right. right. Uh, so yeah, I, I think 11 is about, about where I'd have us at this point. Jonathan, any uh, any thoughts? Yeah, I was actually going to say 11, but since I did it, uh, I'm going to move down to say 12. But really, I, I could really realistically see anywhere from, say, 10 to 14 in my mind. So 
but I'll, I'll go with 12. I, that just feels like a safe kind of a middle bet. And yeah, yeah I really, really don't know. Though. There's a lot of teams that are really, very close together. So it'll be interesting to see. And it, it all depends on what the committee can You know, we just talked about conference strength schedule. You know, do they punch ECU for being in the American and being a one bid league? Does that, that drop them down to like 14, 15? You know, versus basically everybody that else has hosted a regional is a multi-bid league, clearly. So how much does that hurt ECU? Uh, or does the committee just ignore that? Do they go off RPI? And, you know, does ECU end up getting close to a national seed based off that? Like, what was it? I think 2021, last year they went full RPI. Like the top 40 RPI teams just made a regional. It's like, hey, you got RPI, all right, you're in. So... You know, we just don't know. To be honest, like, like listen to D1 Baseball Podcast, Baseball America. Like, like, I don't think the committee has as a clue most of the time, which kind of worries me. Like That that kind of puts me in point. point like, like, I just basically get the last minute and I'm like, all right, let's check out metrics. Okay, okay, we're able with this metric, this team, this team, this metric for that, that team. Um, go from there. But, yeah, it'll be interesting, man. There's, there's just You can spin any team numbers any way you want to. You know, if if, if you if you want to make the case for you for a national seed, you say hey, they're two and seven versus top fifty, but they play most of those games early in the year when they weren't very very good. They've won eighteen in a row. What would happen now if they played some of those same teams? So, yeah, it's just it just depends on how the committee goes and what direction they go. So, that's why we'll be tuning in tomorrow at twelve. 12. All right, um, potential teams that could come to Greenville, and I don't know about you guys, but I. I feel like ECU got a pretty easy draw last year with, with Charlotte, Maryland, and Norfolk State. I feel like the Pirates are due for a tough, tough regional. And there's a lot of regional teams that, that would make for a tough, tough opponent. Um, any particular teams, as you guys look at the at-large board, possibility you would like to see in Greenville. Jonathan, start with you or any that you hunch that we might see. I, I think I've just kind of accepted in my head that and State's coming back. Um, I, I personally want nothing to do with State again. Uh, they, they scare me, even though they got beat by Carolina, but Carolina is very good, too. So I want nothing to do with State, which makes me think we're probably going to see State. And, I mean, the three – I mean, I guess I'll just go with my whole prediction here. But my, my, my three, I'll say something like a coastal, I guess. Um, and my four uh, gut feeling, I think UNC-Greensboro – um, just just feels real right. I think UNCG is a tough team too, and I, I think it'd be a tough enough draw to make you make you swap a lot of last year. And again, I just I want nothing to do with NC State. I think ECU can be because NC ECU was a different team between the first NC State and the second NC State team, but ECU is also a very very good team. The last game and now, so ECU could beat them. It, that scares me a little bit. I don't want it, but. We'll probably get them. If you were to go for best atmosphere, NC State too. I mean, even that elimination game a couple years ago when both teams lost, uh, it was still a great atmosphere at, what, 12 noon or whatever time they played. And so, like, for intrigue, storyline, that would make a lot – that would be a lot of fun. UNC Greensboro, Billy Godwin returning, that would be awesome. The Battle of the Godwins. Um, I was texting since somebody earlier who said if Billy won, won he's getting his post. I'm the real god one around here, so um, would make, make for, for stuff. Uh, but I know side that you have kind of a, a sh- on the potential for like, like host, the disadvantage is getting potentially getting the easy four. Like well, last year was North State, 
Like, like they're not going to beat ECU unless something crazy happens. Now, Quinnipiac should not have beaten ECU. They did. But still, getting an easy four is is the most important draw for me. Like, you don't want to have to just go out there and sweat out a one-four game, ideally. Um, so, as you break down the potential fours, what, what kind of do you find as some potential fours in the region that could, you know, could be matched up with ECU or just, you know, just as far as that goes overall? Sure. So, there's... 14 current auto bids that are 100-plus RPI teams. You know, those are the, the for sure fours, right? And then that's kind of kind of important not in that 15, 16 seat because you don't want to end up with, with, with that, that four seed that's Campbell with a 55 RPI with those 95, you know, whatever that may be. And then, obviously, Michigan and Rutgers are in now. I think if Michigan wins, maybe they're a four seed. But I don't think we'll be where they would go. Uh, I think UNCG, like Jonathan said, makes a lot of sense. Army um, would make sense as well. Um, Long Island out of the, the Northeast Conference, whatever conference Bryant's in, they just beat Bryant in the conference championship game. So maybe we could get some revenge against that conference in the in the first game. But yeah, you know, playing our way off of. Barely hosting, right? right in, like the 16 seed. I think we've played our way up to, to having a 40 that's not somebody that is going to have that. And then with the plus plus curveball on Friday night. You, you know, you have to respect the team that you play. Like, but, you know, it's probably not going to be Campbell at three. Maybe it's Campbell at three, which right. is a lot better than, you know, Campbell at three. That's the benefit of some of these stolen bids that have, that have happened this week, too. So. Yeah, that does even out the the lines, and that really, you know, a team like Campbell or that year that UNCW was a four, four that was a joke. I mean, they were by far they were capable of being a three. They ended up knocking ECU out. Like that's just a brutal, brutal draw, man. Because at that point they were better than Ohio State in that same regional, right. and so like that was you had a tougher opening game South Carolina, which by the way Ray, Ray Tanner was on the uh, NCAA selection committee at that time. Um, but it, bygones be bygones. Um, yeah, so I, you would think Campbell makes a lot of sense, sense if they are or at like Georgia Southern or somewhere like that, or, or even Auburn, I guess, within their NCAA driving radius. Probably, probably. But it, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how they because they got to put somebody there. Like VC would be be another tough four. I mean, they are a very quality opponent. You see, you saw them during the regular season, so I don't know if they would double up with that, but. You know, it just, just depends on how the, the chips fall. Um, you know, Coastal, like, I would like to see Coastal in the Greenville Regional for something different. Wake Forest, I would like to see for something different. Um, you know, Virginia, Virginia scares me because I think they're, they kind of finished a, a little flat, but they have legit, legit talent. So they'd be tough too. But I feel like one of, of Virginia, NC State, or Wake, Makes sense as the two here, just because they're, they're an ACC school. school they, they can't go to Carolina. Maybe one of those guys goes to Georgia. Georgia so, so, um, it just feels like they can't go to Virginia. So it feels like one of those schools would, would come to ECU. Uh, what do you guys think of that, Scott? Just as far as like potentially getting in a an ACC school as two, especially after not getting one last year. Well, I think it's looking like eleven ACC schools may make the tournament, and they have to go somewhere. They can't all go. And they can't have two in the same regional. So it, it seems like we're going to have an ACC school no matter what. Now, it could be Clemson at three and 
maybe we get a Vanderbilt at two. I don't don't want that. Sure, <laughs> rather have NC State than somebody whistling at us the whole game. If Vanderbilt uh, comes as the two, that is uh, a brutal draw. Yeah, and, and, and for NC State, it's kind of like what is the commitment with them? We had, you know, I guess we were the last team team knocked out of the tournament, right? Like because last year they had the whole fiasco. You know, maybe they can send them to Georgia and we get Wake Forest. You know, we haven't played Wake Forest, and I don't remember the last time we played them, but, but uh, it's been a while. So, you know, maybe maybe they don't want to send NC State to their in-state rival after they kind of shafted them a little bit last year with the whole COVID situation. So maybe that plays into our hands, and we end up with Wake at two and then Campbell or Liberty at three, and – Felt like that would be a big favorable regional for us. So we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, there's just so many options. And like last year, I don't think anybody really projected Maryland to ECU. So that was, that was kind of out of left field. Like some people maybe Charlotte, but even that was a surprise. surprise. Nobody really had Norfolk State uh, coming. So, yeah, you know, going down this RPI, Virginia's at three. They're going to be a two seed state. I think. I don't know. Maybe they're an outside possibility. Probably not. Liberty, like you said, Coastal, they're right around that 30, 31 range. Well, they could be at two or three. And so, like, probably Liberty's three. Coastal, I think, could go either way, but maybe at three. NC State's 32. Clemson, 34. They're probably at three due to a poor ACC record. We did mention Wofford. Assuming they get in, they're probably at three. Um, strong resume, 42 and 16, 42 16 and 1. Uh, Old Dominion. Do we have the most teams have or most prognostications have them in, in this Scott? Do you know? I feel like they were in until some of the games that that, that had today. I don't think they were in anymore. I can let me get their RPI real quick. Yeah, yeah, that, um, because <laughs> I just got my message that I had minutes left on this Zoom. <laughs> so, They're currently at forty-one. Yeah, which I feel like is is very much. On the edge with Arkansas and UConn, UCSB, San Diego are all right behind Texas Tech as well. But yeah, I would say Old Dominion is probably going to be on that first four out list, and UTSA probably stole their spot with their performance in the Conference USA tournament. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. And yeah, Campbell's right there. Obviously, they're in as an auto as a DCU. So you got possibilities here, and then. You know the the number number the number four seeds you went over. Maybe we see your old pals Columbia again again or uh, Army or something like that. So yeah, a lot of the possibility. Georgia Georgia is a two seed. You know you would think we'd be going to Georgia Southern, but who knows? Um, again, I'm not going to say too much because we'll know in like 15 hours. Um, last thing, thanks Zoom for being trying to get my money. Um, how would you guys line up the pitching in this tournament? Like, I don't even know if this is like a, a question because at this point, everybody throws every game. But like, do you, do you does it make sense to just start Mayhew in the opener? Because I feel like that's the only guy who I even know that like is is even a true starter. At this point, uh, Jonathan, we'll start with you. Like, what, what's your gut feel on the the pitching rotation? I think if you do anything else, you're getting too pretty. Mayhew Mayhew's starting on Friday. That's uh. In my head, there's no no thousand, and but yeah, because like you said, we we don't have a rotation like a cessation. 
like Josh, Josh Rose has pitched really, really well the past couple of weeks. So I think he's a really, really strong option. Jake Hunter, we saw him once this week in Clearwater, and he didn't have his best stuff. Ryder didn't pitch at all this week. So, yeah, who knows? Cooch came back and pitched an inning. Really no idea. CJ Mayhew, you have to win the first game in a regional, so you have to start your guy. And CJ Mayhew's your guy. So you you, you do anything else, and you, you figure out the rest when you get there. Carter Spivey can throw a thousand pitches over the weekend if, if he needs to. Garrett Saylor will throw a thousand pitches over the weekend. They've done it all year. Benter Williger. So you can piece the bridge together, but you have to get out to a good start. So I think it has to be CJ Mayhew Friday. Yeah, I was going to ask you guys, guys like, like Spivey, is it better at this point? To, to use him out of the bullpen to try and shorten the game, game or now that you're in the postseason, he's trying to make him a starter with what works. That's 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 kind of conversation they're having. What do you think about that? I mean, he's been so successful. You know, he, he could probably go out there and go eight, nine innings if he was on, but uh, do, do you risk him moving in into a starter role at this point? I don't, I don't think so. I think, you know, the way that we've used him – it's just the way you keep using them. You know, it's it's a completely different mindset starting versus coming out of the bullpen. And I think, you know, some guys just they want they don't want that long think about it, get ready for an hour mindset. They just want came ball and I'm gonna go out there. So I th- I think Jonathan's right. I think I think if you start making game one, I think Quinnipiac will make our best guy game one, no matter what for the rest of the time. And then in game two, you know, can give you four, four then five. Ivy can give you five. So not do that. You know, it's kind of, we're kind of pitch backwards with five. Ivy because whoever does start game two can give us two or three solid innings. Then you have five to come in and give you four for five, and then it's Benny T's turn to, to close it out. Yeah, you almost feel like it really is. Is you just survive the early innings, get get into the middle, and that's really been this win streak. Get into the middle means with it being a game. Turn it over to Spivey, Sailor, Terwilliger, whoever, and then the offense kind of comes to life. Like that's just going to be they're going to have to do it. I don't think maybe he's going to go out there next Friday night. Maybe he'll prove it wrong, throw eight shutout innings, and, and maybe he'll throw another no hitter. But I mean, it's just like you can't really count that. You almost if you get three to four innings, you feel good about it. And so, like in a way, like they don't have to win the first two to have a shot to win a regional. But it's like. Everybody only pitches two in anyway, so maybe they can just fight their way out of the loser bracket if it comes down to it. The news is they got options. Even guys like Danny, Danny Bill, we mentioned Gross. Like some of these guys, even like Mayor Beaker, I thought I like, can go in there and throw a couple innings. They have options. And so I feel like no matter what happens, this team, clearly winners of eight in a row, will believe that they'll have a chance. So I'm really looking forward to tomorrow, guys, and getting this field. But, man, Pirates are hosting another, another regional Seventh all-time, fifth in Clark Claire Stadium history, fourth in a row. Uh, this has been fun. Any final thoughts on just the the upfield of '64, or just what what this season has been like? Like, then we'll start with you. I mean, this season has been crazy. I, again, it reiterated just how much I love baseball. This week, week two, it's, it's awesome. I'm into this Michigan Michigan's up eight now, but I think. We're crazy if we don't at least mention this talk about a Greenville Regional. And I bring it up because Cliff Godwin just tweeted about it. The Jungle tweeted about um, weather. 
we've got to talk about weather. Friday, there is a chance. You know, who cares? But the jungle tweeted about it. He's got to pick a game time. And Cliff Godwin's response that says, who cares? We are hosting. Enjoy it. Classic Cliff Godwin. I love it. I had to bring that up. But I'm setting the over-under at two and a half rain delays over the weekend. I have idea what the forecast is. That's what I'm going for. But I'm pumped. I'm glad we're able to have this conversation. By the way, we got our uh, NCAA regional election in I don't even know how to determine contest on Hawaii colors. Uh, so, so get those pins in. You have a chance to free VIP. And by the way, the tiebreaker is what the number of total rain and or postponements be for the Greenville Regional. So uh comes into play there. Uh, Scott, same question to you. Just any final thoughts on this this 18-game winning streak that he's in hosting another regional? Yeah, I remember leaving that NC State game before the streak started just thinking we were dead in the water. And it's just a testament to Cliff Godwin and the job he does. At I mean, you couldn't have. There's nobody who could have told me that we would be hosting when I left that game. And here, here, I mean, we're hosting. So it's, it's completely amazing. And, you know, talking about rain delays, we finally have a team that's set up to do it. Nobody pitches more than two innings. We don't do worry, worry about Ace getting, getting knocked out of the game because it's anyway, because that's our normal game, game anyway. That's, yeah, so, 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 give me a Rockers 3 seed and a Todd Frazier coming down to, uh, to catch a game in the jungle. That's that's what I'm hoping for is a Rockers 3 seed, Todd Frazier in the jungle. He'll have a blast, and uh, the guys in the jungle will have a blast hanging out with him. So. Hey, there's been, in, what, the last few regionals, uh, a Big Ten team come down, or at least two of the last three, so I wouldn't rule it out for sure. Um, all right, guys, it's been fun. By the way, I, I have to mention, Jonathan, it's funny you mentioned – we only got two minutes left, so I'm wrapping this up on our Zoom. Um, but it's funny you mentioned watching random college baseball because I had a friend text me earlier, like text me play-by-play of the uh, Sun Belt Championship between Georgia Southern and Louisiana Lafayette. He, man, I really want that number eight for eight in the RPS. He was like, he texts me all the time in the ninth inning. And it's just funny when your, your team is good and in it, you'll sit there and watch all, watch all this stuff. And if ECU had, like, you know that Louisiana and Southern were planned. So, it, it is uh, – sure. I can definitely relate to that. All right, fellas, this has been fun. And uh, I'm maybe we'll do this again at some point. But, you know, we got the field of 64 tomorrow. I got to have another reaction podcast. So, I'm sure you guys probably have better things to do on Memorial Day. Memorial Day so, maybe not, though. <laughs> All right. Same time tomorrow. Yeah. Take hey. it easy. Maybe. We'll, we'll talk about it. All right, fellas. See you guys. All right, Steve. That, all right, that is Scott and Jonathan, and for the, those guys, I am Steve and I go with the Hoy Colors Podcast. We'll talk to you guys maybe Monday. We'll see.